you are finding your seats, I want to remind everyone that immediately following uh, the teaching time here this morning in the service, we're going to have a relatively brief informational meeting. I think it's very important that, that you stick around for 15 minutes or so, so that you can be informed about uh, some of the financial uh, issues that the church uh, is experiencing right now, and so you can be a part of that. Uh, so please, after the service, stick around for a few minutes. Rob and Ben are going to lead that, and I think it'll be very, very uh, much a blessing for everyone. So, I'm going to ask you a question. We're going through the four words. So far, we have completed two of the phrases under the first word, growing. Growing in the Word and growing in the Spirit. Now, the emphasis of our study, which will take us, no doubt, through the summer and into the fall, is ultimately discipleship. If, if I take you through the four words and nothing about your life has changed, if you have not implemented anything new in your life in correspondence to one of these four words, then I have failed and so have you. Because the whole point of this study is to engage us. To make us stop and contemplate what God wants our lives to look like. Ultimately, we know the answer to that. It's found in Romans chapter 8. God is conforming us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is the disciple becoming as his or her master. It's a form of imitation. So I want to ask you the question, over the last few weeks we've gone through in the, growing in the Word, growing in the Spirit, what have you changed about your practice in regards to the Word of God? Have you implemented a daily devotional reading of the Bible? Perhaps a personal study? Did you join a small group? Are you doing something new, something different to begin to, to grow? Have you planted a seed with regards to the Word of God? Likewise with the Spirit. We've talked about growing in the Spirit. What is different today about your relationship with the Holy Spirit than last month? We ought to be growing in these regards. Now, we're going to be talking about growing in the faith, but one of the things I'm doing as I go through each of these phrases is spending some time in the why of the importance of growing in the Spirit, in the Word, in the faith, but also the how, some suggestions about things that you might consider implementing. And they're certainly not exhaustive, and they're certainly not anything that you absolutely should say, well, Greg said it, so I've got to do it. It's an exhortation. It's an opportunity for each one of us to examine our lives in relationship to God's call upon them. Because that is the reality, church. Every one of you who are looking up at me this morning, each one of you have a call from God upon your life. And ultimately, that call is to look like Jesus. So what are you doing about it? Well, this morning we're going to be talking about the why of growing in the faith. And I want to draw attention to the fact that there is a word in that phrase that is very significant. 
It's not growing in faith, but it's growing in the faith. Important distinction. Very important distinction. Everybody lives by faith to some degree or another. Everybody in the world. Everybody who takes an aspirin is exercising faith. Everyone who gets upon a plane, except for the engineers who know exactly how they work, is taking a step of faith. There's some degree of trust that that plane is going to lift off the ground and deliver them to their destination. So everybody lives by faith to varying degrees, Christian or not. But for us, As Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, it is important that we are growing in the faith. Not just in faith, but in the faith. In Jude, Jude writes, let's see here. That he has written to his readers about the salvation that they all share in common. And he said, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. So Jude is writing to exhort his readers to contend for the faith, the Christian faith that was given once and for all to God's holy people. So what is the faith? Ultimately, what is the faith? Well, we're going to be talking about that a lot more next week, but I want to give you uh, just a, a real quick definition of what the faith is. The faith is ultimately in a person. It's not in a doctrine. It's not in a practice. The faith is ultimately in a person. A good and a sovereign creator God who sent His only begotten Son, the second person of a trinity, to live among us a sinless life, to take upon Himself on a cross the sins of the world, and to rise up again from the dead proving that he had authority and power over sin and over death. And that this good, sovereign, creator God who sent his son to die on our behalf has a plan of redemption for souls, human souls, and for the creation to redeem the earth and the heavens. There will be, it says, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, a new heaven and a new earth that God has redeemed. The old earth, the old heaven, that in which we currently live is stained by sin, corrupted by the fall. But God is going to redeem it. So the faith that we believe in, that we trust in, that we hold to, is exactly that. A good and sovereign creator, God, who sent His only begotten Son to die on our behalf and who has a plan for redemption, both for human beings and for all of creation. That's what we believe. Now, that's sort of the starting point. The thief on the cross 
He was hanging on the cross. And it says, for a while there, while he hung on the cross, he was hurling insults at Jesus, mocking him. And yet, somewhere in the midst of that time, hanging upon the cross, the thief had a moment of faith where God had gifted him with the power to believe. And he recognized who Jesus was. And he said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Now, he didn't understand all of the doctrines. He didn't didn't understand hypostatic union. But he knew Jesus. My wife's looking at me like, what? It's in your pastor's desk today, so I'm just throwing that out there. He didn't understand that, but he knew Jesus was God. And he knew Jesus was going to be coming into his kingdom. And he believed that. He exercised the faith that God gave him at that moment. So it's a starting point, but from that starting point, we expand, we grow, we learn, we experience faith in brand new ways. You know, faith really, John Wimber, the guy who uh, founded the Vineyard Church movement, said faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And it's true. If you never risk in your life as a Christian, then you're really never exercising faith. Because faith is all about risk. But I want to add to that quote, and I want to suggest to you that faith is also all about opportunity. When challenges come to us, as they inevitably will, every one of you has experienced challenges. We have a choice to respond to that challenge with faith, the faith that has been revealed by God, who He is, what He has done, what He is going to do, we can respond to that challenge with faith or we can respond to it with fear. Oh my gosh, the church is experiencing a financial shortfall. What are we going to do about it? Well, the Bible says that our God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. It's no problem for Him. We can respond to it in faith or we can respond to it in fear. So the faith is exactly that. It's a belief in, a trust in, an assurance about who God is and what he has done and what he is yet to do for a Christian. Now, what is faith specifically? Not the faith, but what is faith? The Bible gives us the answer to that as well. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen. So let's stop and break that down for just a moment. In both of those statements defining faith, it says that there is something undergirding it. You know, we've all heard the the phrase, a blind leap of faith. Well, there's nothing like that when it comes to Christianity. It's evidence. It's assurance. There is a foundation that has been laid that is absolutely solid upon which we can exercise our faith. We have evidence. We have assurance that God has given to us. And yet, it's evidence and assurance about things hoped for that we have not yet experienced. Things yet to be seen. That's what faith is. If we can see it, if it has arrived, then it's not hope. If we can manage it, then it is not something that is yet unseen. Do you understand that? Do you you get that? How how faith is all about things that 
We cannot manage, control, or see. And yet, we have an undergirding and assurance and evidence that absolutely supports us in our actions with regards to those unseen, hoped-for things. That's what faith is. Now, as I mentioned, everybody lives by faith to some degree or another. The object of our faith and as I pointed out, what our Christian faith is, is significant. It's very important. I want to tell you a little parable. I'm not very good at writing parables. Jesus was great at them. But I want to give you a little parable that I wrote up. It's called the parable of the test. And it's something that teaches us about the importance of the object of our faith. What are we putting our trust in? There was a college student. And he was sick one day, and he missed a class wherein the professor was providing preparation for and information about the upcoming final exam. So, when this college student heard that, he went to a fellow student and asked him, what did the professor say? was going to be on the exam. And his fellow student gave him the information. So this college student was a very diligent, hardworking student. He began to study and to prepare and stayed up late at night reviewing and preparing for the information that was going to be on the test. So the day of the test arrived. The exams were handed out. And this college student, when the exam was laid upon his desk, looked upon it in horror because everything that was on the exam was different than what he had studied for and prepared for. And he failed the test miserably. What did the college student fail to do? Go ahead, blurt it out, anybody. Spot on. He didn't go to the source. He missed the, the most important aspect of it. He studied diligently. He prepared fervently. He put his heart and soul into it. He was sincere. But he went to the wrong source. He went to a, a fellow student and did not go to the professor. And that's the same thing that happens so many times in human history. People go to this priest or, or, or that pastor or, or someone else seeking information about what's going to be on the test instead of going to the source that has been revealed. And we fail. We fail. So, the object of our faith is incredibly important. That's why I, again, distinguish in the faith. Where are we placing our faith? What is the object of our faith? And how are we then exercising that faith in that person? So, why is faith and why is growing in faith important? In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, of course, is called the uh, chapter of faith. The second half of it is called the Hall of Faith. But there's a, a powerful verse within chapter 11 that we need to focus in on. 
It's verse 6. And it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So stop for just a moment and think about that. Without faith, without the exercise of faith in God, it is impossible to please Him. Faith is really the language through which we communicate with God. That's the quote I put in your bulletins this week. And I think that's a a powerful thought. Faith is the language through which we communicate with God. The first reason growing in faith is important is because it pleases God. That is a, a manifest way in which we can please our Father in heaven when we interact with Him through faith. By belief. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So look, there's a couple of other key points there. It pleases God. And because it pleases God, because the exercise of faith pleases God, he rewards those who practice faith, who interact with him through faith. Now, we're going to talk a lot more next week. I'm not going to get into the reward section too much, but we're going to talk about it next week because it's a big part of the how faith is exercised and how we grow in it. But it's enough to understand this morning that faith and growing in faith is important because it pleases God and He rewards people who practice it. And also, it's the foundation. Look at the very last part of that verse. The foundation for relationship with Him. Those who earnestly seek Him must seek Him by faith. So, why is growing in faith important? It's important because it pleases God. And as a result, God rewards us because we exercise faith. And He lets us build relationship with Him because we are growing in faith. There's a an amazing, amazing scripture talking about faith pleasing God. Now, now this, this is found in Matthew chapter 8, but it's, it's a profound scripture because it's dealing with a person who exercises faith in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was in the flesh, so he had taken humanity on himself, and he had the limitations of humanity, certainly, but he was also still fully God. So as God, he is confronted by this centurion who is asking him for help. And the centurion said to him, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, here's the amazing part. When Jesus heard this, he was, Jesus was, amazed. You want to amaze Jesus? Exercise faith. Take a situation in your life that is beyond your ability to comprehend, figure out, or deal with. Whether it's a financial challenge, whether it's a relational challenge, whether it's a physical health challenge, Take that situation and exercise faith full of believing 
absolute faith in God and you will amaze your Father in heaven. You will amaze the Son. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But there will be those who will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the exercise of faith amazed Jesus. It pleased the Father. Those who fail to do it, Jesus says here, will be cast out, will be separated from life with God in Christ. You know, it's interesting when we read about the new Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. It says that nothing unclean will come into the new Jerusalem. And then it gives a list of all of the people who will be kept out of the new Jerusalem. Do you know what the very first characteristic is of those who will be kept out of the new Jerusalem? The fearful. not, Not the adulterers, not the sexually immoral, not the murderers, not the thieves. The very first category of people who will be kept out of the New Jerusalem are the fearful. The people who would not exercise faith and belief in God. That is sobering. That is a sobering thought. So faith is important because it pleases God. Faith is also important. Growing in faith because it empowers our lives. There's a passage in Mark chapter 11 that really, at its face value, it it should knock us all off of our feet. Listen to what Jesus says. Have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Fortunately, you're all sitting down right now. So you're not going to get knocked off your feet. But do you understand what Jesus just said there? Have faith in God. By exercising faith in God, even a mustard seed's worth of faith, you can cast a mountain into the sea. Jesus' teaching here is to tell us that all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible to those who believe, who have faith in God. Even a mustard seed. And of course, the mustard seed is a very small, very small seed. Again, pointing out to us that faith can grow. Faith can become something much more than what it starts out to be. But faith empowers our life. Faith in God empowers our lives in so many different ways. It empowers us in service in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, he who is great among you will be servant of all. But you know what? It's not so easy to take that role of a servant, is it? To kneel down and gird yourself and to wash others' feet. To be a servant. 
is challenging. But faith empowers you to carry that out. Even to wash the feet of those who are your mortal enemies. That's what Jesus did. He washed the feet of Peter. He washed the feet of Judas, the denier, the betrayer. Can you do the same? Yes, you can. Through faith. Who in your life is absolutely the bane of your existence? We all have someone like that, right? I mean, someone who we see them coming down and we say, oh, I just forgot something. i got to go this way. <laughs> faith lets you walk right up to that person and engage them with the love of God. It says in Galatians 5.6, faith works by love. It lets you cast that mountain into the sea. Whatever it might be. You know, Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he said, we do not grieve as those who do not have hope. So when, when we lose someone close to us, faith carries us through that with the knowledge and the absolute assurance of the thing we can't see, that being that that person who is a believer in Christ is with God. Faith carries us through service. Faith carries us through loss. Faith carries us through forgiveness. Jesus was on the cross, being nailed to the cross by Roman soldiers who did not understand the, the scope of what was happening there on that hill in Calvary. What did he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You can do that too. People who have harmed you, people who have hurt you, through faith, through trust in the power of God, you plant that mustard seed. So, faith empowers our lives. When our businesses are not producing as we hoped they would, when we have some type of challenge in our life that uh, the scope of which is just beyond us. I, I think about Job. Job, a very successful man, had everything he needed and wanted. And he was a worshiper of God. He trusted God. And yet, into the midst of this situation, Satan comes in like a flood. He begins to take everything away from Job that he possessed. His children, his wealth, ultimately even his health. And in the midst of all of that, Job was able to say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's what faith can do. Faith can help you to climb that mountain, to overcome it, to absolutely keep your eyes on the prize. Because when you're going through that challenge, when you're going through that, that, that difficulty, ultimately as a Christian who is growing in faith, who is exercising belief in the reality that God is in charge, not only is he in charge, but he has the ability to impact that situation and he loves you. And so he is going to work out that circumstance, that situation, for good in your life. Just as he did with Job. So why is faith 
important? Why is growing in faith important? Because it empowers your life. How you live your life is different when you live it exercising faith. See, this is what James was teaching to us in James chapter 2. He said, faith without works being by itself is dead. If we just have a mental assent to a belief or a doctrine or something, it's, it's lifeless. True faith aligns our belief with the will of God, engages it, and puts it into motion. What we truly believe shapes how we live our lives. I want to say that again because I want you to get it. What we truly believe will shape how you live your life. So, faith is important because it empowers us to live holy and godly lives. And finally, growing in faith is important because it forms the foundation for our testimony as Christians. It forms the foundation for our testimony as Christians. Testimony is essentially our witness. What other people see in us, in our lives. I read that that passage out of, of Jude, where Jude said that we are to contend earnestly for the faith. And that word contend earnestly. That phrase, contend earnestly, means to strive, to engage, to to take battle for the faith. We have to be growing in the faith so that we have testimony and we can contend for the faith with those who oppose it, with those who don't understand it. We have an answer, as Peter said, to give to anyone who asks us the reason for the hope that is within us. Can you do that today? If someone who's a non-believer, maybe they're just searching, comes up and asks you, why should I be a Christian? Are you able to give them a reason for the hope that is in you? What about the person who is actively hostile to the faith and opposing it? Or, or just in our culture today, we have a wave of antichrist spirit that is sweeping through our culture today are you able to articulate clearly what is going on and why what is happening in our nation and in our world is opposed to anti to the faith you are if you're growing in the faith there is a reason for your hope there are answers to all of these questions what we can't do, and, and here's a challenge I just want to, to issue forth to you and to me. We cannot sit idly by and watch our friends and our neighbors, our community and our country head down the river to perdition without standing up and speaking forth the truth. We can't. We can't do that, church. So faith forms the basis for our testimony. It says in, what is it? Revelation chapter 12, I think, that those saints who are opposing the Antichrist during 
the Antichrist's reign of terror, the saints who opposed him overcame him, it says, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Faith forms the foundation for your testimony, your ability to contend earnestly for the faith, to give a reason for the hope that is in you, and to ultimately overcome. And that's what I want to conclude with here real quickly. In 1 John, John tells us what overcomes the world, and it is indeed our faith. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and keeping out, or excuse me, carrying out his commandments. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world, just as those saints overcame the Antichrist by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So too, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, What allows someone to leave their home and go halfway around the world to minister in a foreign land that is filled with hostility towards Christians and towards the Christian faith? It's faith. What allows you, what gives you the power to go to your neighbor, to your family member, and to share the love of God with them, the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's faith. What gives you the strength to take that mountain in your life and cast it into the sea? It's faith. A faith that is exercised, a faith that holds as its object the true and the living God and the gospel of His Son, and a faith, ultimately, that resides within your hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank You the promise that you will give us the gift of faith. We have, each one of us, been saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any of us should boast. So we have received this faith as a gift from you. And I pray for this congregation, and I pray for myself, Lord God, as we grow to understand the why of faith, the why of becoming faithful people, that you would give us the strength, Lord, to live out our faith in holy humility and impact this community and this world for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand now. We're going